Belly and the fish. Belly. Belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish. And we got big old Ben. Belly smokes. Hunter. Good to be back rolling into this postseason. How you doing, Corb? Not too shabby. Having some Lions withdrawals, but it'll pass soon. It's getting better every day. And welcome back, John. Thanks for joining us as well. How are you guys doing? Doing grand. How's the uh, the dad life going? You're what, over a month in now? Uh, We're just shy of a month. It'll be a month on the 20th, but we had bath time tonight with minimal screaming. So I'd say it's going pretty well. I've been told my kid is actually cute, not just uh, I have to tell you your kid is cute. So that's good. Oh, there's been some kids where I'm just like, holy shit, like this an ugly baby. But <laughs> that'll be the poll. Gotten a... that'll be the poll for tonight. We'll post a picture of John's kid. Is it actually? Yeah. Cute? <laughs> yes. Yep. We'll get it up. We'll get the the people's thoughts on it. All right. I got to get the the new picture of her going. Yeah. And I have one. a million cute pictures of her. We have an announcement to make. John has agreed to come on as our third host going forward. You know, being a dad, he might not be able to make it on every single week, but, you know, he's done a great job helping us out throughout the season. He has more than earned a spot alongside Belly and myself. Welcome on, John. We're happy to have you, and thanks for committing, man. And he's got that sweet, sweet pillow talk voice. He might do his own offshoot of podcasts just lulling people to sleep at night. Mm. <laughs> You know, if the audience demands it, I'm there, okay? So you just might have put a little bit of an idea in my head, Ben. But yeah, I'm uh, happy to be joining full-time and looking forward to this offseason going into next season, too, because I think it's uh, it's the first time that we can be like, oh, man, next year looks good, and other people aren't telling us we're stupid. So, you know, positives. Yeah, hopes are high. I was kind of the one just driving that this off season and at the beginning of the season, and nobody really believed me. But I think at this point, you really have to buy in. You don't have a whole lot of options the way that we finished. I mean, the future is bright. All of our players are saying so as well, and it just really feels like it's a new era. And I've been talking to guys who have been Lions fans, you know, longer than I've been alive for 40, 50 years. And even they agree that this is the highest point that they can recall. And sure, we've had, you know, better records on other seasons, but you can actually sense that the culture is beginning to shift. And that's something that we haven't had. And, you know, probably this entire franchise's history ever since the Super Bowl era, that's for sure. Yeah. Is it a little funny, though, that when you hear like national uh, analysts, you know, ESPN, whatever, talking positively about the lines. You're like, oh, okay, motherfucker. Now you want to be nice mm-hmm. to us when you've shit on us forever. Yeah, I feel like there's been some years where we've, you know, been like a sleeper pick by some of these national analysts. But now it's actually like, okay, these guys could be legitimate contenders to win the NFC North next year. And, you know, my whole life, I've been kind of thinking like, okay, we can scrap by, maybe we make the playoffs. And that's kind of my goal going into the year. But now I have higher expectations. I have to start thinking like a winner and this is uncharted territory for me. So I don't even know how to handle myself. And that's kind of, you know, what I talked about last week with my expectations being winning the NFC North or winning a playoff game or both, you know, that's kind of the minimum for me at this point. And it's a high bar, but 
you know, we've got to see steady improvement and this is going to be year three of this regime. And, you know, 2023, I've said it since the beginning of the year, this is where we really start to turn a corner. I'm standing by my take. We're going in. Yeah. It's going to be a long off season. We got to see what happens with the re-signings and whatnot, but it definitely looks good. Yeah, we'll get into it here. So this week's going to be a little bit different and, you know, the off season, obviously we're going to still have to find our groove, but you know, while we still have some NFL football going on, we'll start off with some Lions talk every week. This week, we in particular, we have quite a bit of news to discuss. We've got the wild card matchups. We had a couple of coaching interviews, um, some sentiment from Lions players. But after a while, there's going to be a little bit of a lull. So we'll try and keep it football focused half of the time. But the other half, you know, we'll have some fun with it with our different segments. Today, we're going to start talking about the Lions. Then we'll move on to the NFL, recap the wild card matchups, and preview next week's playoff games. And then we'll move on to our segments. This week, we're going to touch base on Belly and I's weight loss competition. Of course, we'll have the bowels of the belly, and we're bringing back mail time as well. So stay tuned. But let's kick off the Lions talk. Just talking about our draft picks, because with the Vikings loss over the weekend, we have our top picks and actually all of our picks finally confirmed. So we have five picks in the top 108 total in the 2023 NFL draft. So we will be picking six and 18 in the first 48 and 55 in the second and 81 in the third, that 55th pick is going to come from the Vikings. And it's kind of weird this year because the dolphins forfeited that first round pick with that NFL investigation, I can't remember if it was the the firing of Brian Flores or the owner tanking to tanking for Tua that season, but they don't have a first round pick, so I kind of bumped those picks up. I don't know if they'll technically be a pick higher since we're actually not getting one, but regardless, those are generally right where we're going to be picking, and it will be five picks in the top 100. So with that TJ Hawkinson trade, we received a 2023 second round pick and a fourth round pick in exchange. We had a comp pick for a fourth or fifth rounder. If the Vikings won a playoff game. So since they lost, we have to send the Vikings a fourth round pick. But on the other hand, yes, we give up a fourth instead of a fifth. We do get a higher second round pick. If the Vikings went on to win another playoff game or two, that pick would have been higher up in the second round. So I'm happy picking at 55 and sending a fourth as opposed to, the the fifth round pick with a higher second round pick. If that makes sense, it's a little bit confusing, but overall I'm pretty happy that the Vikings lost because we get the higher pick for it in the one of the higher rounds. Yeah, it's mock draft season. You'll see quite a few things going on and we'll be breaking down some of these rookies and doing some Lions mocks, kind of give the people an idea on what we're going to be looking for in the upcoming draft. But I wanted to talk about some of the head coaching vacancies because two of the Lions coordinators are in the spotlight this week, uh, getting interviews from different teams. And as of today, there are six head coaching vacancies because Todd Bowles was let go after the loss against the Cowboys last night. So Mm. there's six vacancies, the Colts, Cardinals, Broncos, Panthers, Texans, and Buccaneers. I thought that the Chargers might be a possibility as well after they kind of fumbled the bag with that Chargers-Jaguars game, the second-half comeback, but they just fired their OC, Joe Lombardi, somebody Lions fans are very familiar with as he was our offensive coordinator for two years, You know, had some head coaching potential hype, but ultimately was let go after his second season as OC. He was kind of the scapegoat for that Chargers loss. Brandon Staley will keep his job, and it's looking like six vacancies for now. And the two coordinators in question are Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn. 
So starting off with Aaron Glenn, realistically, I think that he's going to be sticking around. Obviously, our defense was no good, but he does profile as a head coach in the near future here. Once he turns that defense around, I expect him to be gone, you know, in a year or two here. But he had one interview that was with the Colts on Saturday, and that's probably going to be that. But the more interesting of the two is Ben Johnson, who is really getting some hype to get one of these open jobs. Right now, he has had three interviews, well, two interviews that he's completed with the Texans and Colts, and he has one with the Panthers scheduled for Wednesday in person. There was a CBS report earlier this week that said that he is the favorite for the job. And then today, DraftKings released some um, some odds mm-hmm. for, for the next head coach, and he was uh, the favorite for the Colts as well, kind of neck and neck with the Eagles defensive coordinator. So that's Ben Johnson popping up as the favorite for two different jobs out of the six available. So it is a little scary. I'm not going to lie. What do you think, John? I think Ben is probably going to get one of those jobs. He's a He's a young white offensive coordinator who had one great season. He's getting a head coaching job. <laughs> That's how yeah. the NFL works. You got a good point. They're always looking for that next hot commodity. What about you, Belly? What do you think? I think Ben Johnson's gone and Aaron Glenn sticks around for another year. Yep. That's a good take. I'm still sticking by with what I said last week. And Ben Johnson's a damn good coordinator, but I think that the sample size is just too small. I don't blame these organizations for giving him interviews and actually legitimately considering him to run their franchise and their team. But I don't know. I just don't see it. And obviously I want him to stick around because a lot of our offense's success predicated on him and his decisions and his play calling. But the other thing is too, I don't think that Dan Campbell has gotten a lot of credit for that offense's turnaround because you think about last year when Anthony Lynn left, and he took over play calling responsibilities. The offense took the step in the right direction. And Ben Johnson, Jared Goff, and Dan Campbell have all kind of shared responsibilities in making this offense what we saw this year. So, yes, Ben Johnson has been the primary play caller, and he deserves a lot of credit. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But I don't think that he is just the genius that turned this around. I think there's a lot of different factors that it went into it. And he is not the guy that, you know, Dan Campbell or Aaron Glenn is. He doesn't seem like, you know, the leader of a team. And that's okay. You know, you could be an offensive guru and get, you know, become a head coach and have success in the NFL. But I just think one year as the offensive coordinator, one year calling plays and one year on the Lions, that's a lot of risk, you know, to commit to if you're going to, hire somebody for the next, you know, three to five years to be the head coach of your football team. At the same time, though, I mean, the Colts got Jeff Saturday as their coach and they brought him in. And I think he said his coaching experience was like high school, like a few (laughs) games. And that was it. Yeah. But at the same time, think about when we hired Dan Campbell, there was a lot of different guys on our radar and Dan Campbell, you know, at first I had no idea who he was. He was on the very bottom of a list of, you know, eight guys that we had interviewed. And I never for a second thought that Dan Campbell was going to be the hire until the day that it broke. So, I mean, there's a lot of dark horses that can come up at that. If you've got your guy and organizations are going to keep, you know, these internal talks to themselves, they don't want any news breaking on any decisions that they're going to make 
this isn't, you know, something that some rumor that Schefter gets a hold of and just puts out there. And the the report from CBS, I mean, it was one guy saying something on a TV show. You know, he just said, Ben Johnson is the favorite for the Panthers job. There was no backing behind that. And then DraftKings, I mean, I'm sure that they have something behind their odds, putting Ben Johnson as the favorite for the Panthers and for the Colts. But they aren't privy to these internal conversations that these, you know, general managers and these owners and these presidents of teams are having. So it's it's just hard for me to fathom that, you know, people have the inside scoop on this when interviews just started this week, when there's still coaches in the playoffs who aren't even available for interviews yet. So I agree with what you're saying. I mean, he's really only had the one year of coordinator work, but I think at the same time, if you look at the head coaches left in the playoffs, I think seven of the eight of them are offensive coaches. So teams are always looking for a guy who has that unique scheme that they're going to bring in that can give them the edge. So I think that really gives him a pretty good chance of getting one of these vacancies, but who knows, you know, maybe they're just bringing him in to pick his mind so they can steal some of his ideas. Yeah. And the thing I don't know about is, you know, I, I, I do not think that Ben Johnson has just been camping on a playbook for 10 years. Like, Oh, when I'm going to be OC, like I'm going to bust this bad boy out. And then, you know, we're off to the races. I think that it was a collaboration between him, Jared Goff and Dan Campbell. And a lot of the, you know, going for it on fourth down and some of these trick plays that we ran. I don't know who really gets the credit for that because I'm sure Dan Campbell did have a say in that when we're throwing a penny Sewell on a critical third down to end the game. I think that Dan Campbell must've signed off on that. I don't think that Ben Johnson's like, you know what, this is the play that I'm running without your head coach, at least, you know, saying that it's okay. So, you know, credit to Ben Johnson. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I think that he is getting a lot of hype and we'll see. I really want him to stay. Maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into it, but I'm not buying it just yet. I still think he's going to stick around for a year. If he does it again in 2023, bye-bye Ben, maybe bye-bye Aaron Glenn. But for now I'm home pad. I think we're rolling with the same coaching staff. Yeah, maybe he tries to do it again for one more season to get himself one of those mega contracts going into the next offseason or something like that. Exactly. It all, de- if he's a- it all depends on their offer, man. Money talks. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you make like a couple hundred grand as a coordinator and then you go up into the millions as a head coach. So it's like no matter what job, you're probably going to take it. I don't know. I, I think if he gets any head coaching offer, it, it, regardless of the money, I mean, obviously that's an important factor, but I think he takes it no matter what, just to have that experience as, you know, a 40 something year old guy to yeah. have a head coaching opportunity. If you're getting 10 million a year, as opposed to hundreds of millions of dollars or sorry, hundreds of thousands of dollars, then you're going to take that. I mean, I wouldn't blame the guy if he gets an offer to take it, but But let's talk about some of the Lions players that we've got on roster and some guys who are free agents because we've had a lot of personnel flooding social media reaffirming that 2023 is going to be a big year for the Detroit Lions. We had John Kaminsky who went out of his way saying that he wants to resign and be a veteran leader of the team. Isaiah Bugs tweeted out today or yesterday that he wants back. Jared Goff and Amon Ra St. Brown. I've talked on have posted on social media as well about how excited they are and for the direction that this team is going. And it's just another testament to Dan Campbell and this coaching staff. Guys are gonna want to come to the team. Free agents this year 
you know, we might be able to actually get some discounts on guys to want to be a part of a culture that actually helps them grow and develop as a player, as opposed to just seeing dollar signs. People have already said they would take pay cuts just to come back. That goes for Alex Anzalone and, you know, maybe Will Harris or Deshaun Elliott, guys who have had some of the most successful years in their career in this system. So I think they see that there is opportunity to grow and to improve and then, you know, take another year deal and then you get something maybe a little bit more long-term. The difference between this and when Matt Patricia was the coach, how like putrid of a destination we were for free agency is just crazy. Yeah. The only shot we had was just to throw a giant bag at him. Like, look at Trey flowers. That's the only reason we got him to come. And that just didn't pan out. So yeah, Everything that Brad Holmes has done, having these, you know, short one, two year deals, easy to back out of if they underperform. I mean, I, I agree with it. And I, I like it because we're going to have eight draft picks coming in this year and five of those are top 100. So we're going to need to look to get these guys some playing time in the near future and having these veterans on these shorter contracts, it, it's going to be coming in handy in 2024 and 2025. There's a lot of defensive players hitting the market, so I wouldn't mind a few of those signings. Yeah. Well, a lot of those, I mean, those players have never played for the Lions either. So I think bringing back some of our veterans who know what this coaching staff is about is going to be a lot easier. You know, maybe we make a splash or, you know, two. realistically, I think that we – kind of stick with the same script and bring in some cheap guys on one, two year deals to prove it. Some guys that have a high ceiling that we can kind of squeeze a little bit of the juice out of them that other coaches haven't been able to. I mean, that's what we did with Isaiah bugs. You know, he was never a starter and he was a staple for our team. John Kaminsky too. And then Jamal Williams, he had a career year. I mean, there's just countless examples of the Lions coaching staff turning these vets who have had, you know, have just been kind of bench players into good starters or guys who are at least contributing and getting some minutes and some snaps. So, yeah, we'll talk about free agency a little bit more down the road here. But, yeah, a lot of good positive sentiment going around from Lions players and a lot of guys who are free agents who want to come back and are willing to come back on a cheaper deal. So that's a good thing to hear. One more thing I wanted to talk about was Jamal Williams. Obviously, we saw him do his uh, booty shake in the end zone quite a few times this year, including twice in Green Bay. But he was fined for his hip thrust against the Packers. The Hingle McCringleberry rule does not apply. I thought it was two pumps and you're good, three, and that's across the line. I only saw two, but somehow he got fined like 18K, and Quay Walker was only fined like 12 or 13K on his. So Jamal is a two-time offender, I guess, but that is just ridiculous. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. He's not trying to be sexual or anything like that. He's just trying to have some fun. He's dancing. Who cares if you're shaking and gyrating the hips a little bit? John, I know you're you're a big fan of Jamal shaking it. What do you think? I'm just a big fan of, like, not being so boring. Like, why does the league want the game to be as boring and, like, long and drone on and you have a million commercials and if anyone looks like they're having any fun, we're going to stop that out immediately. It's just crazy. And it's the a NFL, bit hypocritical. No fun league, you know. And it's a bit hypocritical. I don't know if you guys saw the clip of Goodell at the Vikings game or whatever, but a fan's chirping him, calling him a little bitch and stuff. And he like makes this like jerk off gesture. It's super odd. Uh, 
but like to see him <laughs> find Jamal and then go and do that just makes no sense to me at all. It, yeah, it's they're... just so stupid. I mean, you you saw him loosen up on the restrictions for the celebrations and I mean, I, I get it. Like, you don't want to just be doing the Antonio Brown get down on all fours. and Or was that D- – yeah, DK Metcalf was the one who pissed. But Antonio Brown, isn't he the one who did, like, the, the twerk in the end zone? Well, I know that uh, – I love Randy all of that. Ma- Randy Moss did the moon back in the day, and he got fined for that. Dude, my favorite is Joe Horn with the cell phone under the field goal post. <laughs> that one was legendary. That one was really good, but I mean, Ocho Cinco had some of the best sellies, and I always loved Terrell Owens whipping out the Sharpie. Yeah, Terrell Owens was great. Sharpie and signing the ball and chucking it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just like you you missed things like that. We That happened, what, 20 years ago, and we all remember that? Yeah, the celebrations are some of the most iconic things in football, so it's an important part of the game, and that's just kind of Jamal's staple. He's been doing it all year. Sure, there was one where he, he thrust one too many times earlier this season, but he's cleaned it up after that first fine, and I don't know. I think it's just total fucking bullshit that he gets fined for that. I mean, nobody's offended by it. I get it. Kids are watching, but guess what? They get on their phone and look at Instagram, and they see a girl in booty short, shorts twerking all over the screen, so I don't I don't think that Jamal is trying to be harmful in any way and finding the man 18k. I mean, that's just a joke. Speaking of that, do you ever see like the memes where it's like uh girls when they're 13 now versus when I was 13? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those ones are so good. When you do the homemade dance videos and shit. Oh yeah. Every girl is like fully clothed and doing the cotton eye Joe, and now they're just twerking their asses off. <laughs> yep. Did you guys watch the uh Manning cast last night? I did for one uh, commercial to commercial like segment, and I couldn't handle it. I had to go back to the national broadcast. I know, I man. Them. It was brutal. You know, I do sometimes enjoy the Manning cast. I've watched it before, but I didn't think that they did a good job with Dan Campbell at all. It was like clunky the whole time. And Dan Campbell had a bad connection, too. Yeah. I had watched the Manning cast like when it first came out last year, but... I always just like the the regular broadcast. When I saw Dan Campbell was coming on, I was like, okay, hell yeah, I'm going to tune in. And it was just fucking brutal, man, just watching it through that. I mean, Eli fucking sucks. He needs to shut the fuck up and just let Dan talk. I don't care what Eli's got to say. Peyton's the better manning anyways. Then you got Dan Campbell, who could go down as a, a bigger Hall of Famer than either of them if he brings the Lions to the Super Bowl. So <laughs> it was really my ways first to go time. For, for that. <laughs> yeah. But it was really my first time watching the Manning cast, and I just don't like it. They would cut to commercial when Dan Campbell was in the middle of saying something, and they opened up with a kneecap talk. And I want to put the kneecap talk to bed forever. Yes, it was an iconic intro press conference, but that's all people know Dan Campbell for, and true fans don't even give a shit about that anymore. The kneecaps for breakfast. How many kneecaps do you think have been bitten off in this Buccaneers-Cowboys game, Dan? What's he supposed to say? Like, that's just that a stupid is a, question. That's a dumb question. Yeah. Like, seriously, what are you supposed to respond to that with? I mean, he handled it fine. He was like, yeah, it's a playoff game. So you expect a few more, but you could tell he was a little bit. I mean, it was weird because they would ask him a question to be, oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, it looks like Zeke runs out tackled for a three yard game. Anyways, what were you saying, Dan? And I'm just like, dude, yeah. like you ask him a question, then you're going to cut him off on a three yard run. Eventually he settled in and he was fine just talking like, you know, what he would do in situations. And it was interesting to hear, but yeah, not a whole lot of lions news, just uh, a lot of positive sentiment going around. 
a lot of this week's NFL talk has surrounded the uh, the playoff teams. So let's jump into some wild card weekend talk here. So we had what six games over the weekend, a couple on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. The Chiefs and the Eagles had the buys. So we had the Seahawks going to San Francisco to take on the 49ers to kick it off. And the Seahawks for a while looked like they were actually going to be competitive. But in the second half, the 49ers just, you know, stepped on their throats. The score was 41 to 23. 49ers are moving on. And Belly, I know that you're a big Brock Purdy guy. And I I might be uh, hopping on that train with you, man. I mean, he looked good. Not at I'm the all- beginning, but he finished strong. I'm all aboard the Purdy train, and he had the best game of his season, 332 for three touchdowns. A little bit of uh, accuracy issues going 18 for 30, but the guy played a damn good game. Um, The defense held up. Uh, It's just, I mean, my biggest question is, like, if the 49ers go far, what do they do with Trey Lance? Yeah, that is a real question, honestly. I mean, it just depends on what Brock Purdy does, but if he can bring him to the Super Bowl, then I think that they have legitimate QB questions on their hands, but... At the same time, after all the capital that they gave up to go up and get Trey Lance, they're going to want to see him actually start a full season and know what they got with him. And we knew when they drafted him that he was a little bit of a raw prospect with only one full season for a D2 or um, what was it? Not a D2 school, but FCS. Didn't he play for Iowa State? No, he played, well, Brock Purdy did, but with Trey Lance, he went to North Dakota State. So that's an FCS school, you know, not the best competition and one full year starting. And then it was the COVID year. So they gave up a lot to go up to three and get them when they did. And they haven't even been able to, you know, do anything with them. And they've got Jimmy G, I think, under contract still for next year. And yeah, I wouldn't want to be making those decisions. But Kyle Shanahan, I think he's got a pretty good idea on what he wants to do. I think that he is kind of calling the shots in San Francisco and whoever he wants to be the guy is going to be the guy having three guys who can start for you. Isn't a bad problem to have, especially with Brock Purdy under with three years left on a rookie deal. He's got some time to figure out what he wants. I think Jimmy G's definitely gone. He only signed a one year, $7 million contract to make him the highest paid backup, but he is an unrestricted free agent next year. And I've seen him linked to the Raiders. These are all rumors and speculation though. But there's there's going to be a quarterback carousel this year um, with the Tom Brady questions, the Aaron Rodgers questions. Derek Carr's already left the Raiders. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I feel like last offseason was wild, and this one could get wild too. Yeah, you've seen that uh, the 49ers don't really seem to care about draft capital after the draft happens all that much. You see what they did with Trey Sermon. Um, so I think it's kind of like whoever's the best guy, Kyle Shanahan is going to put on the field. I'm a little salty about Brock Purdy because I took him as the last pick in our fantasy draft and I didn't know how the tax I didn't know you could keep people on the taxi squad for longer than uh one year. So I ended up dropping him. And then I was and like, he fell right into your boy's <laughs> yeah. hands. Ben's got him now. Oh, John, rookie mistake. It's all right, man. Yep. <clears throat> Gotta learn the rules. But I will say that the Seahawks have greatly outperformed expectations this year, even more so than the lions. I think that pretty much everybody chalked them up to being a bottom three team in the league. And a lot of that is credit to Pete Carroll and to Geno Smith. I mean, nobody saw Geno Smith having a top 10 year. I mean, I remember even after the first couple of weeks and after he beat the lions, I was like, okay, he's going to come down to earth eventually. And sure. He had his ups and his downs, mostly down in the second half of the season, but he led the Seahawks to the playoffs. 
with that roster, they don't have a ton of talent. And, you know, it's a testament to Pete Carroll too. He's one of the better coaches in the NFL. So shout out to the Seahawks. They've got two first round picks as well going into the draft and they're going to be ready to rearm and be ready to go for 2023. So they'll probably be back in the playoffs. Who knows if they take a quarterback, if they want to roll with a rookie or maybe Gino can do what he did this year and put up some respectable numbers. I see some regression, but who knows? Maybe he's turned a, a corner on his career. And he actually set the passing record for the Seahawks, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He set a bunch of records for the Seahawks this year. Really? Yeah. He beat like a, yeah, he beat a bunch of Russell Wilson's single season records. I mean, you got to give it up to the guy. I think he's earned a contract with the Seahawks or elsewhere. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league that are worse than him. Yeah. It was funny before we were thinking like before the season started, who was going to be that guy if it was drew lock or geno smith <laughs> and they made the right call what if they just rolled with drew lock and just were irrelevant i guess that would have been nicer for us because we would have been in this game and whooping on that 49er ass but it's neither yeah. here nor there i'm not bitter i've liked geno since he was at west virginia so i was really happy to see him like i remember him and Tavon austin yeah yeah John Charette, huge geno smith guy he was a he was a permanent truther <laughs> i've i really i I love a love a mobile QB. We know. Look that how that mobile. look how that worked out for you in the playoffs, there, Jonathan. <laughs> oh well, I mean, technically, I I'm, I don't know if I won or lost. That's true. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. Moving on, I don't want to open up that can of worms. <laughs> we got the Chargers and Jaguars, the Saturday night special. Jacksonville was terrible to start the game opened up, I think at a 28 to zero deficit, Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions, but guess what? He bounced back and threw four touchdowns in the second half to beat the chargers 31 to 30 in Jacksonville. That was fucking epic. Honestly, I I was in East Lansing, went to a hockey game and I was watching the game at PTs a little bit when the chargers were up. And I was like, okay, this game is just dust. Like it's over and then move on and go to pick up some food, and we're waiting for a pizza, and I'm watching the game in the lobby, and I'm like, holy shit, I think the Jaguars are actually about to come back. And sure enough, they did. Props to Trevor Lawrence and to Doug Peterson for turning that around because they were right at the bottom of the barrel with us at the end of the season last year. And, you know, they come back, make the playoffs on a, you know, week 18 win against the Titans, and then they upset the Chargers. That was epic, man. I mean, the Jaguars, they're it's such they're such a weird team, but they do find a way to just dig out these wins, like when they beat the Cowboys, too. And then, you know, they just get throttled to us when they come to Detroit. So it's 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 kind of hard to wrap your head around how they're going to do on a week to week basis. And they're gonna have a tough matchup next week, no doubt. But all the credit in the world to that coaching staff and to Trevor Lawrence for getting a playoff win for the Jaguars. I like to see him succeed. I did uh, miss the first half of the game. Shout out to Zanies Nashville. I was seeing Mark Norman stand up, but I did check the score partway through the show and it was 27 to zero. And the guy I was with had money on the Jags. And I was like, how could you pick the Jags? And sure enough, I ate my words, made me a little bummed out, but I'm not going to be as bummed as the one gentleman who put $1.4 million on Chargers oh money God, line at halftime, minus 12,500 for an $11,200 profit. Guy lost one point. Four million dollars. I know. I saw that man. He's just like, you know what? I could just make a quick twelve k. Boop, gone. What a <laughs> fucking idiot, dude. 
to have 1.4 yeah, million in your DraftKings account too. <laughs> I don't even know how you do that. You just transfer the money from your 401k real quick, saying it'll be back by tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out to that guy. That's a bad beat. His retirement is just screwed. <laughs> nah, he's probably got a lot of Bitcoin. But going back to the game, though, you got to give a shout out to big old balls Doug Peterson going for two when they're down four, which yeah. I just thought was an absurd call. But once again, look at me, eating my words, and then the Jags come down and win by one. I mean, the fact of the matter is they really didn't have any business winning that game coming out of halftime. And he wanted to bury them and he wanted to go for the win. I mean, they had all the momentum on their side. If scoring 28 unanswered points isn't enough momentum for you, then I don't know what is. So I don't know. I'm not mad about the call and obviously came out with a win. So, and the, the chargers just made mistakes going into that game. They played all their starters three quarters in week 18. Mike Williams gets hurt. So you lose one of your weapons. And then, I mean, Eckler only had 13 carries like, when you're up that much, why weren't you trying to drain clock? Or they just gave up running the ball because he only had a 2.7 average. So it's just, I don't know. I just feel like the char- the Chargers lost it for himself. I mean, shout out to Trevor Lawrence, but I feel like this is more on the Chargers than it is on the uh, Jaguars' success. I don't know. I think that you got to put a lot of the blame on Brandon Staley because last year they miss off they miss out on the playoffs when they had that game week 18 against the Raiders and all they had to do was tie and both of them would get in Raiders win and they're in and chargers are out so far in Justin Herbert's career. I mean, it's been pretty disappointing. It's kind of the same old chargers. They're a lot like the Falcons and the lions just kind of getting robbed at the end of games, but, and they had to stab Tyrod Taylor in the lung just for Herbert to get the start. Right. But I mean, even when Dan Campbell got hired, it was him and Brandon Staley who were kind of those fourth down guys, you know, a little bit more aggressive, not so conservative that we've seen some other coaches do punting or not punting and going for it on, you know, on your 40 yard line. That's something that Campbell and Staley had both done and it's worked out great for Dan Campbell. And, you know, Brandon Staley this year, I feel like he just got a lot more conservative in what he's been doing and, with that roster and that talent, I know they've had a bunch of injuries this year, but you bring in Khalil Mack, you've got Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa and uh, Derwin James on that defense and Herbert with all those weapons around him, and you really can't beat the Jaguars. I mean, you know, it's, it's disappointing. And I even thought that there was a chance that he would get fired, but today Joe Lombardi was the scapegoat. Their offensive coordinator got the axe. It seems like Brandon Staley's going to stay on if, you know, they're firing Lombardi. I don't know why they would just fire the head coach after that as well. So I think that he's pretty much safe to stay for another year. But if he can't get a playoff win at least next year, I think his time in in Los Angeles for the Chargers, it's, it's done. And I bet there's a lot of head coaching prospects who'd be chomping at the bit to take that job and get a chance to work with Justin Herbert and have a, you know, start your career off with a franchise quarterback already under your belt and a very talented roster. So the Chargers are, you know, it's it's terrible. It's abysmal. They've been underperforming and they they need to be better. Even in a tough uh, tough division, you at least expect a playoff win out of them and they've got nothing to show for it at this point. Yeah, let's uh, let's get on to Sunday there, Corb. Started off with the Dolphins going to Buffalo to take on the Bills, and the Bills won 34-31. to And the Dolphins were sticking with it. I mean, it came out Tua wasn't going to be playing. Skylar Thompson got the nod. I think it was his second career starter. I, I think he got in for a game before, but that this was his second actual start, and he almost upset the Bills. 
They were that close, man. 34-31, just a field goal away. Bills fans had to be shaking in their boots. It's it's wild that uh, Josh Allen played as bad as he did to start the game, and they still came out with the win. But he bounced back. The guy's still a freak. Um, yeah, it was definitely uh, closer than we would have liked, especially against uh, Skylar Thompson. Yeah, I I really just tuned in for the last like five minutes once I saw that it was close. But my biggest takeaway from that game is that it did not end until 5 p.m. What was going on? I don't know. I know they pushed the uh, game after a little bit just so that everybody could watch both the Vikings-Giants game. And I I was wondering what took so long. It's insane. I mean, you can't have games go over four hours. That's just crazy. I mean, there were 84 passes so and a lot of incompletion, so that's a lot of stopped clock, not running uh, too much. Because, I mean, between the two teams, I think the Bills might have had about just north of 100 rushing yards, and the Dolphins had like 40. So in a game with only 140 rushing yards and 84 passes and neither quarterback being – or just Josh Allen was just over 50%. So just a lot of incomplete – passes made the time stop and the game went on for a long time i mean the bills as good as they are on offense they can put up points but they are just a turnover machine and you know josh allen he is kind of that gunslinger but i mean he's had some fumbled problems too and a lot of that is the bills predicating their offense so much on him you know more touches obviously there's going to be more errors on there but I don't know. The Bills were by far the favorite to win the Super Bowl going into the year. And now I'm I'm starting to have my doubts. I mean, they played the Dolphins three times now this year, and it's not easy beating a team three times. I think actually they lost to the Dolphins earlier in the season. So, yeah, that that offense is legit. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are some of the two of the best receivers, definitely the best receiver duo in the entire NFL. So I'm not saying that you can know discount them or anything like that but the bills are going to have to face some tougher opponents starting next week and then the afc championship and then the super bowl so they've got an absolute gauntlet ahead of them and if they play like they did against the dolphins they're going to be out of it just like that so let's jump into this giants vikings game because i think that this was kind of uh an upset favorite for a lot of people going into wild card weekend and sure enough the Giants dug it out, beating the Vikings 31 to 24 in Minnesota. I mean, credit to the Giants, too, because I don't think a lot of people really expected them to do much. And they started off hot. They cooled off in the middle of the season. They finished strong to earn that six seed in the NFC playoffs. And everyone kind of knew that the Vikings were frauds all season long, you know, winning all these one score games. And the Vikings have finally been overthrown. The NFC North is out of the playoffs and the giants win moving on Daniel Jones, Danny dimes, your boy, Benny played an absolute dynamite game. Got to give the lad 379 all purpose yards. Uh, the way he was just uh tucking running in that game. It just seemed like the Vikings didn't have an answer. They didn't have a spy for him. I mean, the guy had 78 yards and rushed 17 times, picking up first down after first down. I guess the only thing that really didn't make sense to me from the Giants' standpoint, and yes, Daniel Jones was throwing the ball well, but they just really did not give Barkley a lot of carries. He had nine carries for 53 yards and averaged 5.9 and got two touchdowns, but they just weren't feeding him the rock. I know this because I had a big Saquon parlay, and the only thing that didn't hit was the rush yards. (laughs) That sucks. Damn. It's all right. The thing is, with the Vikings, a lot 
of the blame gets put on Kirk Cousins naturally because the last thing you think of is that fourth and eight dump off to TJ Hawkinson well short of the sticks and that ended the game. That was a bad look, 100%, and that's on Kirk. You got to push the ball downfield, even if it's, you know, a 50-50 ball or in double coverage, who cares if it's an interception? If you don't get the first down, the game is over. That's better than a dump off to TJ Hawkinson where he's guaranteed to get tackled like that. So that is on him, but at the same time, it's the story that it's been all year, and it's the Vikings defense that let them down. And I've been saying it all year, like, especially when the Lions beat their ass and really dethroned them. Well, the Vikings dethroned the Lions as the worst defense in the NFL. And a lot of this comes from an older defense that has been aging and they haven't really been able to, you know, stock up with these young players. And they've got Lewisine. But at the same time, they have like Patrick Peterson, like that was a patch job. Harrison Smith is still, you know, playing great. Neil Hunter is a great piece on that defense, but for the most part, it's a bunch of veterans and there's not a whole lot of upside, a lot of youth that is going to sustain future success for that Vikings defense. So, and I don't remember the game play for play, but if you look at Kirk Cousins stat line, 31 for 39, 273, two touchdowns and a one yard rushing touchdown. It's not like he had a bad game. And yes, that last throw was atrocious, but I mean, it's just the story of the Vikings all year. They uh they just seem to either squeak out a win or just or just lose. <laughs> you know, the Vikings kind of remind me of my daughter when her brow starts to furrow because I see storm clouds coming for them. <laughs> you take Justin Jefferson off that team, man. That offense is nowhere near as good as they are. Their defense sucks. I mean, they would be well under five hundred, I think. Justin Jefferson pulls a hammy and is out for six weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. They're screwed. Once teams figured out how to shut Jefferson Jefferson down, though, it seems like a different story for the Vikings. I mean, Justin Jefferson had 15 yards against the Packers, 38 against the Bears, and then 47 against the Giants. So, I mean, like, once you remove him, and now I'm seeing some rumors that he wants to leave the Vikings. Really? I didn't know that. I mean, he's only on year three, too. That team's kind of destined for almost maybe a rebuild. I don't know, because Cook's getting older. I think they need to start splitting carries with Madison because he's a very serviceable back. Make it a two-back uh, uh, two back tandem. And then that way it takes some of the load off Dalvin Cooks because they're starting to say that he's trying to fade. But, I mean, if Justin Jefferson wants to leave, that's your biggest weapon. And uh, they're running out of time to make him feel good. Yeah, Justin. And- Justin. Yeah, come please. to Detroit. Just move across the pond. It's that easy. That would cost. We should have so traded Hawkinson for him. Oh man, uh, we were that close. They didn't even I, think of that one. I bet. Well, Hawkinson obviously had a great game, but I think a, a lot of that was just because Justin Jefferson wasn't there. They said, "You know what? We'll give you Hawkinson, but you're not going to get Justin Jefferson." And I think that was a great game plan because I've said it before: like Hawkinson is not going to take over a game like a Travis Kelsey is. You know, like, sure, you can get 10 catches a game with him for, you know, 90 yards or something like that, but he is not going to be that game changer. Justin Jefferson is. And if you're committing all those resources to stopping him and you're basically saying, find another way to win Minnesota, clearly it was a recipe for success because the Vikings really couldn't do anything. And that last drive was fucking terrible. I mean, I thought Kirk had a good game, but like I said, that fourth and eight, that was, 
you know, it was an inexcusable. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was like, wow, that's really it. And I texted the DeWitts as well. And they agreed like, what the hell was that? Like, that's just our season. It's over just like that. So shout out to the DeWitts. It's all right. You're walling away with all of us other NFC North fans out of the playoffs. We'll just root for our betting interests going forward. <laughs> but let's hop into the Sunday night game. It was the Baltimore Ravens going to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals and the Bengals win 24 to 17. No Lamar Jackson. It was Tyler Huntley who got the nod. And, you know, I thought that the Ravens put up a pretty good fight, but in the end, I mean, it was always the Bengals. Everybody knew that they were going to win that game. It it came down to one yard. I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't just the Bengals running away with it. That one yard stop on the goal line that got taken back for a touchdown literally changed the entire game because the Ravens were about to go up and it was going to be a different story. So that was a wild, wild stop for the Bengals on the goal line. Yeah. And then the other thing is too, after the game, JK Dobbins came out and he really hasn't been anything so far in his career just because of injuries, but he was a great prospect coming out and he's complaining about not getting the ball enough. And then he also said that if Lamar was playing in that game, then they would have won. So, I mean, if you're Tyler Huntley, I guess, okay, I'll go and kill myself. then. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not Tyler Huntley did a relatively decent job for being thrown into it. And he was coming off injury as well. So it's just, I mean, it's kind of, it's a little refreshing to see a player actually speak their mind and not be so PR focused, but I mean, this could come back to haunt him. It could be, uh, if he does get released after his contract up, people will be like, maybe he's not a locker room guy. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going down in Baltimore. I I was wondering if him saying like, oh, we would have won if Lamar played was him taking a shot at Lamar. Like, you should have been out there, or if he was just saying, if we had Holy our shit, guy, we I gotta won. stop you. Breaking news. Her Tom Pelissero, Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson informed oh. interested teams he's staying in Detroit. No way. He is back. I'm not fucking kidding. Look it up. Ben Johnson Where? is okay, back. I gotta look it up. I gotta Breaking look. news six minutes ago, um, baby. Holy Pelissero. shit. Let's go. Tom, you gotta get your Twitter profile up, buddy, because I can't even fucking find you. Johnson was slated to travel Wednesday to interview with the Panthers, but he feels Detroit is building something special and wants to see it through. Should be a hot head coach name again next year. But guess what? Not for 2023, baby. We are going in. What do you think, Belly? I just saw it. Good thing, man. He was a big piece of why the Lions offense was so electric and teams got scared. So definitely a good, uh, good thing for Detroit nation and, Hopefully the offense comes back humming the same way at end of the season. I can't remember. Ben, you said that he was gone. John, you said he was gone, right? I absolutely I thought he was uh, gone. Yeah, I, I kind of did say that. Okay, well, it's on I said if he now. got an offer, he was gone because of the money. But, hey, you know, if he wants to stay, that's awesome. That nope. tells me that Jared Goff is going to be back. Oh, I mean, he's absolutely already, going to be back. I mean, I, I know that they had already said that, but, I, you know, just, like, <laughs> doubly confirms, like, they want to keep their little group together. I think the real question is, do we like restructure or renew Jared Goff's contract? Honestly, that's a discussion. I was wondering about that. I just was looking at that earlier. He's, he's not, he's through 24. So I think that probably doesn't happen until after this year. Yeah, I agree. We got two more years with him, and Ben Johnson's clearly coming back. 
I mean, there's not a whole lot of ideal vacancies. I mean, the Broncos, yes, but the Cardinals, Colts, Panthers, Texans, Bucks, and you don't know what's happening with Tom Brady. I mean, none of those are an ideal spot. And granted, like none of these teams that are going to have a head coaching job available is going to be an ideal spot. It's not like, you know, Bill Belichick is going to resign and you're going to take over the Patriots or, you know, Andy Reid's like, you know what, I'm done. And you you have a chance to be the head coach of the chiefs. So the Broncos is like the one destination, but at the same time, they have no draft capital. You have Russell Wilson. So I won't like any of these spots, honestly. So, you know, good thing that Ben Johnson decided to stick with the team that he knows that's going to have success. He's going to bet on himself and find a more ideal spot for next year. So we'll see yeah. how he does. Ben he Johnson, welcome back. Never had a doubt. You hear, heard it here first. You can't make this shit up. It's a I don't think we asked you what you thought. Well, I told you, you got out of that one, Scott. Free. Oh, we got it all on record here, baby. As yeah, of seven forty-five p.m. <laughs> but anyways, well, glad we got right. to break That's that great. news. That was better you than know. the fucking James Robinson trade that you broke earlier this year, Ben. That was peanuts compared to this one. Well, I mean, I can only do with what the information I have at hand, Corbin. So sorry, that was my breaking news. <laughs> Honestly, is... Mark Mark called me and I was like, oh shit, it's got to be something big. And I just go to Twitter and my first thing is Ben Johnson staying. And I was like, let's fucking go, baby. 2023. That's going to be a year to fucking remember. It's the Jordan year, yeah. the Darius Slay year, 2023. All right. We already talked about the coaches. Let's wrap you know, up. We could really use a guy weekend. like, uh, you know, like a Darius Slay or like a Glover Quinn, you know, someone like that on yeah, our team. <laughs> really short the secondary up. Ben's right. Sorry, I got a sidetrack there. But yeah, Ravens at Bengals. Ravens lose. They're gone. Joe Burrow, good job. I didn't really watch this game. Get all these, to be honest, get all these, I don't have a whole lot of commentary about it. Get all these washed quarterbacks out and let's get to the real competition. Yep. Well, that brings us to our Monday night football game. The Dallas Cowboys go to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. And the Cowboys absolutely whoop that ass 31 to 14. As much as I hate to say it. The Cowboys look good, even though they kind of blundered it at the end of the year this season. You know, they absolutely destroyed the Buccaneers. Tom Brady could not do anything offensively. And, you know, after a little bit of a slower start, the Cowboys really did whatever they want on offense. You know, everybody on that offense was eating. They had the run game going with Tony Pollard and with Zeke. And then C.D. Lamb, he got his. Dak Prescott looked good as well. He had that nice naked bootleg touchdown. Yeah, Jack Prescott I mean, Cowboys, looked amazing. Yeah, he did, and he bounced back. No one five touchdowns, I think, right? Yeah. All of those one rushing, four touchdowns, three hundred five yards, twenty five for thirty three. The guy looked like he was on autopilot. All the yep. people who just were like, "Is he really Dallas's quarterback?" You know, should they be going with Cooper Rush? Like, what no. a bunch of I- idiots! It's all snap think, reactions all the time, and nobody yeah. nobody knows what they're talking about. Well, yeah, and then Cowboys fans are the worst. I mean, they'll flip on you like just like that. And I mean, I guess that they have a little bit of a right to flex after that one, because even I was like, oh, Cowboys going to Tampa. I mean, Tom Brady, like you never know what's going to happen, but I would never bet on the Bucks to cover that because they have been so weird all year long. And, you know, Tom Brady really has taken a step back. I, you saw him throw the ball away so many times. And by by now, he's had enough time to develop some chemistry with Mike Evans and with Chris Godwin, and they were just not on the same page. The running game couldn't get going. 
and they've had some injuries on that offensive line, but I know Ryan Jensen, their center was finally back, but the defense couldn't stop the Cowboys. And that's something that they should have been able to done. I thought that it was going to be a, a really low scoring game, you know, like 20 to 14, something like that. But Cowboys had no problem scoring. Their defense stood up. Their pass rush might not have gotten a lot of sacks. I don't even know if they got one, but they were definitely affecting Tom Brady and what he was able to do, you know, throwing him off his timing. So, yeah, the Cowboys could absolutely be a problem. It's going to be a defensive showdown next week when they go to San Francisco and take on the 49ers. What do you guys think about Tom Brady, though? Is he going to be done after this? So I have, I have been seeing some things. Um, I hate to bring this to the Titans, but I've seen one rumor that says Aaron Rodgers is going to come to the Titans. And I've seen one rumor that Tom Brady is going to come to the Titans, but I will bet my ass that it's going to be Derek Carr. <laughs> um, but no, I don't know. I don't know if he wasn't this whole divorce thing kind of makes me feel like he, he, he can't get away from football. Maybe he'll be in an analyst booth one day. But I got a feeling someone's going to throw just an offer at him and he's going to say yes. I don't I mean, that game was bad, but I think didn't he have the most completions of his career this year? Not for yeah, very many still, yards, but still had a good year. It's not like no, he, he had good yards. Cliff. It's just that the Bucks could have a weird ball, year. So they though. had no choice. They did a lot of screens and some short stuff, but they really couldn't do anything else. I think he had like 50 passes in the third quarter. So the whole argument for the uh the Titans is that um, he might want to come here just because they have Derrick Henry, because I'm pretty sure the bucks were like last in rushing offense. And I mean, Tom Brady, that guy needs a running game in order to, uh, in order to thrive, because if there's no running game, it's just like, Oh, Tom Brady's throwing an eight yard out route every time. (laughs) Yeah. Especially at this point in his career. I mean, maybe 10 years ago, you know, he could get by with, you know, minimal weapons, but he's got to have a good supporting cast around him though. I mean, the guy is not, at his prime by any means. I mean, he's still playing great football, but you got to have some pieces around the guy. And I mean, with the injuries that the Bucks have had, I feel like they haven't really brought in a whole lot of talent. They've kind of just kept the same guys that they went on that Super Bowl run with. And, you know, at some point it's kind of like the Vikings, like you're going to fall back a little bit. And so I'm not really surprised seeing the Cowboys go into Tampa and get the win moving on, but you know, obviously I, I don't like it. I'd like to see the Cowboys bounced and Mike McCarthy fired and the Cowboys future burning flames, but I guess we'll have to wait another week for that. I just, I don't think Tom's going to want to go out like this. No, I don't think so either. Maybe he'll move on to another team. It seems like his time in Tampa is done for sure, but you know, possibly another, another team in the future here. We'll see if he goes back to the AFC, maybe the Titans, maybe the Raiders, maybe the Dolphins. I don't see why they would do it at this point with the success they've had with Tua, but who knows? Maybe he wants that ownership stake. Yeah, I think whenever Bruce Bruce Arians left the team, it just seemed like a different Bucs team. Uh, I know he was still like part of the office or some position within the Buccaneers organization, but not having him on the field just seemed to be a detriment to the Buccaneers. Yeah. And the other thing to consider realistically, and I'm not even just joking, is the money that he lost with FTX and with the divorce. I mean, he might want to just get a couple more mil and keep playing. He gets to pad his stats. He makes some of the money back. You lost a lot, dude. Is FTX the crypto thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The thing that's going around the news that everybody lost. I'm so glad that I barely know what that is. (laughs) I I looked it up a couple times. I don't know, like, the pricing, like, what he got in at or exactly the 
you know, the exact dollar amount that he lost, but it wasn't just, you know, a couple million by any well, means. He I mean, lost a lot. It says so, the value of those shares has been estimated to be $93 million. <laughs> exactly. So it's not just chump change. You know, he might have to uh, yeah, yeah. play another year or two to get some of that. So he's, he's probably getting some alimony from Giselle because she's worth a lot more than he is. I well, know. hold on. She is worth a lot more, but she, apparently she also... So Brady had 1.1 million shares and uh, Bunchen had 680,000. So Oof. combined, they had a $150 million loss. Maybe that's what sparked the divorce. <laughs> you told me this was good crypto. <laughs> Dude, you, uh, so just on the subject of crypto, you remember the player who decided to get paid in crypto? He got to, he decided he was going to get was paid Odell. in Bitcoin. It was Odell. There was someone else too. There's Man, a couple. Aaron Rodgers, I think, had now. some in crypto. A lot of players did that. It was kind of the someone did thing. like their entire contract in crypto. Oh man, there's actually quite a bit. It says Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Saquon Barkley, Antonio Brown, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Russell Okung, and Sean Culkin, and three more: Aaron Jones, Darren Bates, and Kevin Green. Kevin Green looks old. He might be a coach. <laughs> Who the hell is yeah. Kevin? So FTX, definitely something to consider for Tom Brady's return. <laughs> he might need a pat. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Based on that book, it, he's coming back. He's going yep. somewhere. <laughs> Tennessee, no income tax, right? Uh, that is true. Uh, I just saw something that said 49ers, Raiders, and Titans would be the front runners, but it's all hearsay and just rumors and a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So I think he's pissed at the Raiders, though, because he was supposed to go there and then – Rumor he that was the team. You that want they me said. instead of that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's end the wild card weekend talk and check in on Belly and I's playoff pool. Bell, do the honors. Go ahead, start your gloating. All right. Well, I have a lead, but I think we're gonna shake out here where it's gonna end up with both of us having two teams. As a reminder, um, just the teams that I have left. I have the 49ers, Cowboys, Giants, Chiefs, and Jacksonville. But two of those or four of those teams play each other or whatever. So only two are advanced in the next round. The And then Corbin has the Bills, Bengals, and Philadelphia. So either the Bills or Bengals are going to come out. And then Philly should beat the Giants. So I would say we're forecasted to have a Chiefs 49ers Philly Bills to go 2-2 down the stretch. But we'll see. The, the numbers, even though I have five teams, it's not that much more than your three. So it's going to be a tight one. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what the next round shakes out. Yeah. You got four team or five teams now, but that just means that you have uh, more teams that can lose. I've got three strong teams. <laughs> I got the weak ones out right out the bat. Like I don't care about them, but all that matters is who wins it all here. So it could go either way. I mean, we both have the the chiefs and the Eagles that had the buy. And then I got the bills, Bengals, you got the 49ers, Cowboys, Giants, Jaguars. So I don't know. I guess you would say on paper that you are favorited, but hey, I like my squad. They're going to be performing well for me. And next week, we have the Jaguars going to take on the Kansas City Chiefs in KC. We got the Giants in Philly, Bengals going to Buffalo, Cowboys going to San Francisco. So we got some mm. real good fucking games on the slate. Ben, you're week. losing two of your teams no matter what then. Yep, yeah. and Corbin's losing one no matter what. Yep. Well, so that's why I think it's going to be two-two. I didn't put a put anything in this, but Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl, book it. I don't know, man. Cowboys and the Niners. That that game is going to be tough. 
I th- I just think the Bills, Bengals, the winner of those two are gonna go. I mean, even when the Bengals took on the Chiefs, I mean, they destroyed them in Cincinnati. I guess that yeah, they'll be going to Arrowhead, Arrowhead. So yeah, but and then you got the Bills and Chiefs, and the Bills beat the Chiefs, and that's gonna be on a neutral site. And oh, Bills yeah, fans, but they, did you hear? It's a neutral site, but I think it's still being played in the state of New York. No, it's in Atlanta. Oh, I must have read a false report then because I was like, that's not a neutral site. (laughs) Yeah, right. But speaking of next week, let's put our money where our mouths are with betting with belly. (laughs) Well, betting with the belly is upon us again. And man, if you went with Corbin or Brett's picks, you're probably a happy man going three and one. But if you bet with your boy belly, you're going to be a sad, sad man. I went one and three. I took all these bets on my uh, app this week. Only I cashed out the bucks before the game even started because I had a <laughs> I had a change of heart, <clears throat> and it turned out to be right. So uh, on the uh, actual my personal uh, betting, I went one and two. But man, I was abysmal. Other than that, Corbin and Brett, good job going three and one with a winning record. Rolling right into uh, next week, Corbin, hit me with your fave. My favorite this week is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Eight and a half point favorites at home playing the Jaguars. The Jags had some love go their way this past week, but Patrick Mahomes coming off the bye. I mean, like you said, Ben, the the Chiefs have to be one of the favorites in the AFC, if not the favorite. I mean, you got the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs. I think it's going to be one of those three. The Chiefs should be able to overcome it and win, you know, by a significant margin. You know, the line's a little big and playoff football, anything can happen. I'm not discounting the Jags, but I got to go with the Chiefs and Patty Mahomes. Yeah, eight and a half is kind of a lot, but I just play off Pat, man. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an absolute uh, throttling down there in uh, Kansas City. John, what about you, bud? I'm taking Eagles, giving seven and a half over the Giants. It's kind of a big line for a divisional opponent. A little worried about it, but I just have been riding with the Eagles all season. I just think they're really, they got something going there this year. So I'm going to keep rolling with them. Yeah, the Eagles did beat them by 26 points when they were in the Giants' barn, um, one of the games this season. And then the other one, uh, the Eagles won just a couple weeks ago by six points. So seven and a half could cover them and the giants are playing good football Um, for myself. I am going with the San Francisco 49ers minus three and a half against the Cowboys. I'm all aboard the Purdy train. I don't think you can uh, stop that defense. And and then on the offense, you got Debo, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy. You think he's a rookie. You think he'd be shaky and he looks like he's a uh, poised quarterback in the pocket. So we'll see what happens, especially coming off that huge game that he just had. Uh, moving on to the dogs, who's got you barking, Corbin? Yeah, a lot of tough decisions to be made this week because there's only four games, so there's not anything that really jumps out at you because you like all these teams that are still there. But I don't know, man. Based on what I saw with the uh, the Bills-Bengals game before it got called, the Bengals looked like they had the Bills number. And I'm going to take the Bengals five point underdogs going into Buffalo. The one thing that does scare me about this game is if it's the DeMar Hamlin game, because if they bring him out pregame, that's going to give the bills a little bit of extra juice to, you know, get this win. But still, I mean, it's pretty damn even. I know that bills have the home field advantage, but they also do turn the ball over quite a bit. And, you know, the, 
it's just two really evenly matched teams. And so I just like the, the underdog, it's kind of like a 50, 50 and you get five points. So I like the bills to cut co- or the Bengals to cover. I kind of agree with most of the points you made there, Corbin five points with a high powered offensive Bengals team. I think that's going to be the game of the week. I, I believe um, that or the San Francisco 49ers and the Cowboys. It's basically a Super Bowl matchup right there. Oh yeah. Moving on to your dog, John. I'm taking the Cowboys plus three and a half versus the 49ers. I think Brock Purdy may be good. I think that San Francisco is very good, but Dallas's offense is just so dangerous. I think they're going to pull it out. I mean, other than the fact that they're just the Bucks defense is the 49ers is the only counterpoint I could probably make. Um, that's going to be a good matchup as well. Those are definitely the two games that we're going to be looking forward to. Uh, my underdog, I also have the Bengals plus five against the Bills. Um, I'm just, I've been a Joey Burrow guy all season. Uh, I'd like to see him go far again. And uh, I'd love to see him play face off against Patrick Mahomes in the next round should they beat the Jaguars. And then uh, moving on to the over, Corbin, what are you thinking? My over is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bills. Like you said, Ben, this is the game that everyone's going to want to watch. Over under set at 49 points. If it's anything like how it was looking in week 17, it was going to be a high-scoring affair. Both of these teams, I mean, offense is their strong suit. Defense, they've had some injuries. It's definitely not the you know the best department for their team. So I like a lot of points in this game, and I think that both of these QBs are going to be going all out to go into the AFC Championship. So I'll take the over on that 49. John, uh, looking at our sheet, it looks like you have the same. Anything to add? I think a lot of chunk plays, a lot of long balls. A lot of chunk plays, a lot of long balls. Short <laughs> and sweet. Love it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I took Pat Mahomes in, uh, against the Jags over 53. Um, I don't know, other than the fact that I just think Patty Mahomes has got the rest and he's going to be hucking and chucking. I like to see Kadarius Tony getting involved and Travis Kelsey, the best tight end of the game. I'm sure he's going to have another good game too. Uh, moving on to the underdogs. Who do we got, Corb? I'm going with the Cowboys 49ers under 47. I think both teams just have great defenses. And I was a little hesitant after the Cowboys performance last night, but I do think that the 49ers have a leg up on the Bucks defensively. And, you know, there's a little bit of a whisper in the back of my mind, a little voice inside of my head saying that Brock Purdy is going to come back down to earth and Dak Prescott. I mean, he, had, he I don't think he's going to throw for five touchdowns against the 49ers. That's what it's going to come down to. And they have the best run defense in the NFL stat wise. So a lot of good pieces on those defense. I mean, that's, you know, really their playmakers for both teams are on the defensive side of the ball. So I'll take the under 47. It's a little bit high for my liking. That 49ers team is just stacked. I can't get over it. Both sides of the ball are just really good, especially ever since they got Christian McCaffrey. Um, And then to wrap up the under, John, it looks like you and I both have the Eagles-Giants. What do you got to say about that? I had a hard time picking the under this week because I kind of like the over in all of these games. But I was just hoping Eagles kind of smother the Giants, get it under that 48, because honestly, I really think all these games are going over. You hear that, folks? If you want to fade the pod, slam four unders and just be rooting for no (laughs) offense and just have a boring day of playoffs. Um, But that's going to wrap up betting with the belly. Uh, You didn't do luck if you ride with. I did. He said said that we had the same one. Okay, sorry. And that's going to wrap up betting with the belly. Hope you guys enjoy your playoff weekend. Maybe you shouldn't take my picks considering I went one and three last week, but 
As always, we hold no responsibility for what you do with your cash. <laughs> I'm moving on to the next segment. Not financial advice. <laughs> all right, let's talk. Uh, let's lose a little LBs. I know before New Year, we all talked about having these resolutions, losing some weight. And I weighed my fat ass a couple of weeks ago, and I'm the heaviest that I've ever been. So, you know, it's encouraged me to get back into the gym, you know, shed a couple of pounds here and there. And I know that Ben is notorious for organizing these uh, weight loss competitions, what he always swindles his way into a victory one way or another. So I figured I'd throw him a couple of my bucks and, you know, at least get some motivation to lose some pounds here. So, Bell, why don't you take it away and explain it for the people? I may be undefeated in weight loss bets, but uh, I'm off to a slow start this time. Um, we got 10 participants, just a nice $50 buy-in. Um, and then there's weekly payouts, monthly payouts, and then payouts for the whole thing. Um, we just keep it a small amount of money, 12 weeks. And I track the percentages and everything. And, uh, the goal here isn't to win money. It's to come out on top, but I don't even care about the money. It's all about pride for me and the win. Um, maybe I'll be able to stay low this time after this weight loss bet, but we have, uh, we have some competitors this year. Uh, Corbin was in, uh, Lambo, so he had a few too many cheese curds and he only lost a pound. But um I myself I lost um like seven pounds in the first week, but we oh, had a couple wow. of people that lose over ten. We what? had uh uh the person who was in first this week went from two forty nine to two thirty six for a four point nine percent loss. Um I will say the first week is always kind of uh a little uh, diluted in terms of clarity on how people are actually doing, because I advise everybody to have the biggest meal of their lives before the weigh in. So that our first week looks really nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we got 11 weeks to go. We got to weigh in tomorrow. Uh, I'm actually going to hit the gym after this so that I can uh, stuff my face on my birthday tomorrow. There's no way I could have done this. Cause I've, I've fluctuated between the same 10 pounds for the last like 15 years of my life. Well, aren't yep. you lucky? <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was a little disappointing for me. Like you said, I had a, I mean, in Green Bay, there's not a whole lot of healthy options. It's not like I walked in somewhere and asked for a salad. There was a bunch of fried foods, burgers, wings, cheese curds. So that was my diet over the weekend. And then I get a text on Monday or Tuesday saying, hey, you need to show me your way in right now. And so I was like, oh, fuck. Well, <laughs> I didn't have time to plan. So at work, I just go on to the industrial scale and the whale in the in the warehouse <laughs> and just send that picture to Ben. So yeah, only down a pound. And then I just wanted to see what I was looking at today. So I went in and I gained two pounds since last week somehow. And I've actually been going hard. I've hit the gym three times this last week. The only bad thing that I had is when I went to East Lansing this weekend, I did have some Conrad's and pizza. Shocker. But other than that, I've been eating pretty damn healthy. I've been drinking like over 120 ounces of water every single day. So I think a lot of that is water weight. So I don't know what I have to do to get it down this week, but I'm expecting not much of a uh, fall. Maybe are you I, lifting uh, or what are yeah, you doing? Are you hitting the gym? Are you lifting? Are you doing cardio or what? I'll, I'll run a mile just to warm up and then I'll go and lift, you know, like well, I'll you're, push. I mean, yeah, I you're going to gain weight. Of course you're you're lifting weights you're gonna gain weight that's not no it, it's true. And that's not true it's about your caloric deficit and so i have been yeah eating i healthy guess and i, I gain been... weight when i lift anyway well yeah if you're eating a lot then that's fine and you know i'm not necessarily looking to just lose weight like i just want to be healthier like more in shape stronger and so you and know that's I, the it's goal not, of this yeah yeah it's not about like winning the money for me like i went in 
fully knowing that I really didn't have a shot. Like if I lost 10 to 15 pounds, you know, 10, 20 pounds, I'd be really happy with that. But the, the main thing for me is just to get back on a workout schedule, you know, mm-hmm. control my portions a little bit more. I've been intermittent fasting. So skipping breakfast, I'll eat like a big lunch at noon and then I'll come home and eat at like six or seven. Or if I hit the gym, I'll eat at like seven thirty or eight and then I'm done. No snacking, no sugars. I'm not like cutting out, you know, a ton of like, I'm not cutting out carbs or fat or anything like that. Just consciously eating healthier meal calories. prepping. And getting into like a better rhythm, I guess. So that's kind of my goal here. And even if it doesn't show up right away. Yeah. In three months, I think at the end, it's going to show a lot more than, you know, what these first two weeks are. It's a more sustainable way to do it for sure. I did have have a a really good week. I will say that. But just stepping on that scale and seeing I'm right back up to where I started, I was just like, holy fucking shit, man. Come on. Yeah. But didn't you have all your clothes on and wasn't it the middle of the day? Yeah, I had all my clothes on, but still, I weighed in with all my clothes on, too, so. Well, well last way, he's going to be naked. <laughs> no. You know, they no, weighed I'll my daughter at her last appointment with a, with no diaper instead of a diaper at the appointment before that. We would have thought she lost two ounces. That's scary. But those <laughs> dumbass nurses were weighing her with a piss-filled diaper. Doing <laughs> the results. And that counts for something. Wet diaper's got to be real heavy. Corbin, do you have a goal by the end of this? Yeah. I mean, like I said, if I lose 20 pounds that and I get down to 200, I that, you know, that exceeds my expectations. So if I am losing like 10 pounds, 15 pounds in two months, I'll be happy with that. But overall, I just want to get back in that routine, working out three or four times a week and then just eating healthier in general. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, just be totally strict about it because I still want to go out to restaurants and stuff and eat what I want, but I want to be able to work out and, you know, at least be fit enough to supplement that. So I'm not turning into a total fat ass. And I feel like the past six months, that's what I have been doing, just eating whatever I want with no restrictions and no working out to kind of compensate for that. Yeah. Food is hard. I had to uh, delay the start to this podcast because I was just an irritated mess until I got some salmon and rice in me. But my favorite part of the weight loss challenge is Ben asked for a like a nickname because he wanted anonymity so that people won't know like, oh, this person weighs this much. And so I was like, like, what kind of nickname are you looking for? Well, like, for example, my nickname is Popeye. Another person's name is Malibu. So I was like, hmm, what nickname could I do? You got any ideas on what yours would be, John? Let me read you a couple first before you decide. Okay. We okay. got Malibu. We got Split. We got Butterman. We got Diesel. We got Garfield, Tree Stump, Augustus Gloop, Tree Stump, Thicky, Seto Kaiba, and then Popeye. All right. Two come to mind. One is Flappy because well, Flappy, yeah. Flappy wasn't one of them. Thicky. <laughs> when I, well, well no, that's when his I, nickname, for me. Oh, my bad. When my I was bad. on Xbox Live, I was in a, uh, you remember when you used to be on like Halo and you you would join like a clan, right? Yeah. So I was in the Breakfast Club. I was Captain Flapjacks. That eventually became uh, Flappy. So it kind of fits your Twitter ways. Um, other one would just be like a topical one. So I'd just be like Ice Spice. No, that's dumb. Speaking like of gamer better. tags, I'm playing Fall Guys <laughs> right now. My gamer tag is my dad spanks hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's a good funny. One. Do you uh, want to guess which one I am? I'm pretty proud of it. It was probably the best nickname in there. Yeah. I'm Augustus Gloop. 
That's a good one. It's a very good you know one. Who that is? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Google him, Augustus Gloop, if you don't know. Yeah, He's the kid who drowns in the Chocolate River. Exactly. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll touch base and kind of uh, let you guys know where we stand. Give you a weekly update, or you know, whenever we, we get the episode out, it'll be going on for three months through March, right? End of March is the end of the competition. Um... March 22nd will be the end date and I will be going to a hibachi restaurant and getting the lobster, the steak, the chicken, the edamame, the sushi, a whole bottle of fucking sake and just drink it all down my word hole. <laughs> Guy's going to have a hand cramp from squirting that ketchup bottle in your mouth. Oh yeah. his He's going to get some carpal tunnel. Yeah. I would have done this with you guys, but the best I can get to the gym right now is like, if I can go into the sauna for 30 minutes. So not a lot of time. All right, dad, daddy, John. (laughs) (laughs) I like when you call me that. All right. Enough talk about the weight loss. I've been thinking about it too much all week. So let's move on and get in those guts while they're still big and bulbous. We're going into the bowels of the belly. Go ahead, Ben, your turn. Um, I had just kind of a crappy one, and then this one came to me because of based on my good friend Corbin's text messages today. I don't exactly have a story except for maybe the last uh, tennis major, but I want to talk some Australian Open and Corbin's emergence as a tennis fan after watching Netflix Breakpoint. Corbin, tell me a little oh, bit that's about why. Okay. how uh, you got into tennis all of a sudden after me and a couple of the boys in our group chat have been urging you to watch it. I recall a time, I think it was last year, the year before, I think Djokovic and Nadal were playing and I told everybody to stop. You got to watch this. We don't know how many much more times this is going to happen in our lifetime. And Corbin said, who the fuck is watching tennis? That sport sucks ass. And look at you now, buddy. Tell me more. I don't know if I said exactly that, but you are kind of on the right line there. The thing was that my phone was just blowing up from these notifications and everyone's just talking tennis and it was just not a good time. So frustrated. I'm just like, who the fuck gives a shit about tennis right now? Shut the fuck up. And so then that spurred a whole thing about how I don't even know tennis. And I played tennis when I was a kid and I played pickleball, which is kind of similar. And I said, like, huh, it would be kind of cool to get back into tennis. But I was just scrolling through Netflix this weekend and I see Breakpoint on Netflix. And I'm thinking, like, huh, that's on a kind of sounds like point break. Look at it. And then I see it's like the drive to survive for tennis. And I was like, you know what? I. I wanted to watch Drive to Survive, but I don't know if I can get into racing. I'm going to give this a try. And they opened up with Nick Kyrgios, and the dude is just a fucking badass. He's got some steezy fucking shots. He's also kind of an asshole. I know, but I kind of like him. I kind of like him. I think he's kind of my favorite. I watched a whole highlight video. Of course he's your favorite. He's the only one you know anything about. No, I know everybody in Breakpoint now. And yeah, I knows. spent a deep, I went on a deep dive today looking into it and I'm kind of hooked on tennis now. I sent him a list of the top 25 players and the ones I liked and disliked. And he starts razzing me on one of the guys I said that I don't actively root for. I'm like, you know what? Now I got <laughs> someone else I could text tennis about other than my hey, same well, two friends. <laughs> Belly, you know, I was number one singles in middle school and I'm a big Nadal guy. So you can always hit me up too. Well, nah, this year's going to be wild. Djokovic is trailing by uh, one major, I think, right now. So if I could have it my way, I'd love uh, Djokovic to win the Australian Open and then Nadal to win the French so that we just got some fire going into Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Um, But if I can talk about, I have two players that I fancy a lot. 
Um, one of them is Yannick Sinner, and this is for a very specific reason. Um, last year, I can't remember exactly what major it was. Yannick Sinner was coming up for his live match in the U.S. Open, and I must have got my wires crossed or something on ESPN, and I accidentally clicked the game from two days prior for Sinner because I just searched Yannick Sinner. So I watched five hours of a match thinking that it was happening live, and it was the game from two days ago, and then I finally, like, I'm like, oh, ESPN app or whatever is just messing up. They got the score wrong. Little did I know, the first game ends in like four sets. I tune in and I figure it out, and I had to watch five more hours of Yannick Sinner. So it was a <laughs> 10-hour Sinner day. <laughs> you Sinner, you. And then uh, my other favorite, the American Francis TFO. He's a, he's my knight right there. He's just a he's got a power <laughs> of a serve. And man, I just can't get enough of TFO. He actually plays here. He's playing right now live. I don't know the score, but I'll be watching it right as soon as this ends while I'm trucking it on the treadmill. Yeah, man. So now that football is done, we're in a little bit of a lull. I'm diving headfirst into tennis. Conveniently, we have the Australian Open before us. And I don't know. There's a couple of guys that I like. Nick Kyrgios is definitely one that I could see being my guy, but he's kind of like a part-time guy like every other, you know, playing when he feels like it. Um, he's not in the Australian Open, so I can't root for him. But yeah, Ben's it, turned me on to Francis, and he's had some appearances and uh, break point. I keep trying, I keep wanting to say point break, but I have to think about it every single time that I do. But there's some other guys that I like too, I, so I still got to find my guy. I'm oh, not yeah. that much of an expert, but I've been doing a deep dive because I really want to kind of immerse myself and really get into the uh, I would, tennis uh, world. I would suggest that you watch women's tennis as well, because I actually, I like watching women's tennis better than men's. And you're going to be like, oh, huh, huh. no, like seriously, I think that it's more entertaining. You no, like a deep court lob every time? I love women's tennis. Men's tennis, sometimes it's like unforced error, unforced error, ace, 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 ace. It's like, okay, can we get a rally? Men's singles is the perennial tennis event and it's got all the best players. And the point is that Nick Kyrgios and what is his name? Kokonakis. They were yeah. two singles players Tenassi. who just waltzed into the doubles tournament uh, last won. year and they won the whole thing. So, you know what? Men's singles is the perennial tennis thing to watch and it's going to be a wild tournament. And if you love brackets, just stare at the Wikipedia page and see how it all shakes out. It's always a good time. And the final, though, in the Aussie, I will say, I wake up for it every year. It'll start at like 3.30 in the morning on a Sunday. And normally, I watch the entire tournament, and then I find myself sleeping through three quarters of the final like a jackass. <laughs> and for women's tennis, I will say, Anj Jabert, she is my girl. She is dirty. She is sick with it, dude. If there was a Nick Kyrgios as a female, it is her. She's got some sick trick shots, dude. She's number two in the world right now. This could be her Australian Open to win. I mean, she's I think she's won a, a couple of... Has she won one Grand Slam yet, or...? I, I'm going to be honest. I don't I, uh, pay attention to the women's side as much. Uh, well, you should. She's ben. at least been runner-up. Speaking of that, Naomi Osaka just announced she's pregnant. Yeah, well, she oh, had really? pulled out before the tournament, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, she had pulled out, but she she just said that she's pregnant like yesterday. Gotcha. And then going and back to Nick Kyrgios, uh, Corbin, he did pull out of this one, but Nick Kyrgios is the best on grass just because of the way the ball skips off the turf. Um, and he's probably just going to gear up for Wimbledon if he wasn't feeling a hundred percent. So I could see that, but yeah, going to be a wild tournament and, uh, we'll see if Djokovic can win another one. He was minus minus one ten to win it all before it started, which is just insane to me. 
Yeah, for for that wide of a uh, field, that's pretty crazy. That's how it is every time, though, especially. And it's, he's got so many Australian Open titles. He's just tough to beat on hard court. You got a couple hours before Tiafo plays, Ben. Oh, I got it mixed up. Well, my work computer says my time is from California because they won't update the location on it. I get a little twisted on my time zones. That's going to wrap up the Australian Open, and we're going to go back to you, Corb. All right, we're bringing it back. It's time for mail time, mail time, mail time. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail. Mail time. All right, boys, we got a few good questions this week. I think let's just roll right into it. First question I think is pretty interesting. Uh, it has to do with what you would want to be in life if you could. So if you could choose any fictional character to be, who would you choose and why? And I'll give you my answer. My answer, you might not think it, is Homer Simpson. All right? And this is why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen to this, all right? Homer's got a cake job. Great bennies, making really good money. Everything's easy on the work front. Money's all right. Okay. Boom. Wife loyal. Loves him. <laughs> Beautiful wife. I mean, Marge. Beautiful hair. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Marge is, Marge is a fox. <laughs> then he's got solid friends. He's got Mo. He's got Larry. Or I don't remember those other friends. And Carl. Carl. He's got some real good <laughs> friends. All right. Yeah. Tight knit group. He's got a couple of kids who love him. You know, they're little troublemakers, little scrappers, but a couple of little good kids. Then you top it off with he's too dumb to have shame about how much he eats or the crumbs all over his shirt or to really be upset about anything that's going on in the world. Homer Simpson has got it made. Yeah, just living in ignorant bliss. A perfect exactly, life. exactly. So I want to know. Interesting. Who would you pick? Hmm. I think it got me thinking like a show, but I'm trying to broaden my horizon to all fictional characters here. I almost went with like, what tragic character would you pick? Because I've always idolized Scarface. Well, then you want you you're you're dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, I'm think I think I would choose James Bond. Because you have the most badass lifestyle, traveling the world, shooting bad guys. You're pretty much invincible. You get pussy galore, literally. You, you, get, a lot, you get a lot of talent throughout your years. Yeah, True, but... All your enemies. <laughs> but you also have to consider, James has gone through so much pain. He's got loves that he's lost over and over. When he lies in bed at night, What's he thinking about? You know, is that what you want to be doing? I know it's badass, right? But I'm just, you know, I want to play devil's advocate a bit. I mean, I'm kind of mulling through a few things. Like I have a very obscure one, and you guys aren't gonna know what this it one is. was hard for me. It's um, it's hard to land on. All right, well, you know what? I'm kind of going back to our, and I don't know why this one popped into my head. But did you ever watch Toonami back in the day? Yeah. Did you ever oh, see the show yeah. Zoids? <laughs> Mm, uh, no, it I brings so. a bell, but I can't even. So like, Zoids, they what they would do, uh, they would hop in these like mechanical, um, like animals almost, and oh, they would okay. just I fight. Would, yeah. And dude, I remember watching that show and being like, I just want a Liger Zero Jaeger, and I want to just 
just fucking walk around and just fuck people up with my mechanical animal. And uh, that show, I remember they canceled it uh, after the first season, after he like won the whole thing. And I was so mad that I didn't get to see any more of them. So put me in a nice little dog fight with my mechanical tiger that shoots blasts out of its back. You, you have oh, the dude. most obscure references. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I've got a close, a close second was going to be Ash Ketchum, but we're going to stick Ooh, with this. Toy. Okay. Ash Ketchum's cool. What about Winnie the Pooh? I mean, hmm. he's got me loyal friends. Honey. Yeah, just living a simple life in the hundred acre wood. You got That's Christopher kinda... Robin looking out for you. A bunch of friends. Yeah, the biggest problem you have is finding more honey. That's I mean, kind of you know in ignorant bliss. That's why I went with Homer, right? Because like you go with someone like, oh, I want to be Batman. And it's like all of those people have crazy emotional trauma. Yeah, I just well... want to be happy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might go with Winnie the Pooh, honestly, or Tigger. I always like Tigger the most. Oh, t- yeah, you know, he's very happy. Yeah, exactly. Just bouncing around. around. You got a sick time. tail you yeah. can just bounce around on. Yeah, I'm, I'll go with Tigger, actually. I'm changing my answer. That's my final, Tigger. Okay, so I've swayed you. Yep. So All right. Ben's got Zoids, and I got Tigger. <laughs> Ben's got <laughs> whoever the... I don't even know it was Zoics or Zoinks. Zoids, Z-O-I-D-S. Yeah. Dude, it, I've rewatched it a couple of times since growing up, and it still holds up. <laughs> it's a great show. All right, we're going to move on to the second question, and I think this one is even going to be more hotly debated, okay? Okay. <laughs> well, a frequent topic that has come up uh, between uh, our friends, you know, people we know is animals that we would best in a fight. Right. Okay. Right. I know you've talked about this a lot, but this one's a little specific. All right. Okay. I think it's going to require a little bit of thinking. I want to know which animal would beat Ben in a fight, but Corbin would dominate. Okay. And this, this question comes from Brad Glasser. Thanks, Brad. So are you going to give us specific animals or? Oh, shit. You know, I didn't even really think about that. Well, I know where this question stems from, and this is the wolf debate. Uh, yeah, I don't it's, know it's we... from Ken and Car- Ken Corbin uh, beat an adult wolf in a fight. That's where all of this originates from. So just to state the Corbin's opinion, he said no problem, and the rest of the group was up in arms. And then I actually was up north with my family one time, and I brought it up to him. I was like, Corbin thinks he can beat a wolf in a fight, and all the adults were like, no way, but a little backstory is my parents are notoriously bad with names, so I'll bring up Corbin every once in a while, and they'll be like, is that the guy who thinks he can beat up a wolf? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is me. Um, but the but real since, thing is... Hold on, it's... hold on. Corbin will argue this tooth and nails to the end, but I did some research, and it said about 90% of the time a human wins. All you gotta do is I know, I was, gonna, I was holding off on saying it. I looked into it too, and God damn it, Corbin, you're probably right. Damn straight, dude. They're pack animals. And I said an average adult wolf. So realist, like I Googled it and okay, this isn't we for, when you just do stop. average Are wolf we... weight, it says a male is 66 We're to 180 pounds. An hour. I'm not talking about a fucking 200 pound wolf here. I'm talking about like a 90 pound wolf max. Realistically, these things are like 70 to 90 pounds. I'm not talking about a fucking dire wolf. I'm talking an average wolf. And they're oh, pack look, animals, dude. One on one, like the only killing mechanism they really have is their teeth. So if I just like pull my chin 
up against my chest. They can't get my neck. I could just punch that thing down the throat and suffocate it. Yeah, exactly. They got no way to kill me. Now, I'm not saying I would emerge unscathed. I would be scratched up, bitten. I would be battered up, probably need to be in the hospital afterwards. But if it's a fight to the death and it's me versus that thing, no weapons, Dude, I'll rip its throat out, man. No Corbin, problem. that's not the question we're asking. You're just so passionate that well, you Well, then Ben can't would also not. die, and I would win. Yeah, I, okay, I think so it's Wolf kind of is a, the answer. I think it's kind of a, a weird question because it, it's, a, it's an interesting. I'm not. One. I'm not. Monu- I'm not monumentally weaker than Corbin. Well, that's why. I, that's why I wanted to ask this. It's because I thought it was really interesting that he just assumed. That this one would beat you, but Corbin would kick his ass. Probably so what if it, fucking huge. <laughs> here's a question for you, Bell. What if it was a snake? Because I think I I think that I would be able to beat it because I would run away and be smarter. But you might be, you know, headstrong and be like, oh, I'm gonna stomp this thing out, and then it just bites your ankle. All mm. you gotta do, all you gotta do is just find a way to get behind it, grab its tail, and whip it into the side of the steel cage, and that thing's done. <laughs> I couldn't do that, yeah. So you might have me with the snake. The wolf, uh, I got you beat. But I mean, oh, a dog. Else, I, I could survive a dog attack. You, on the other hand, you'd break out in hives and would just eat you alive. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not deathly dogs, allergic so. to dogs, but I do get a little wheezy, and I would hope the fight doesn't take 30 minutes of being a, in a living room full of dander. So I think, <laughs> I think as long as we get out of there quick, um, maybe uh, just have a hot shower ready for me to rinse off all the uh, filth, then I'd be okay. <laughs> do you think you could beat like a goose in a fight? Yeah, I could beat a goose. <laughs> So there was like a um yeah, I know like I know exactly what you're about to talk between about between yeah. like British people and American oh, I did people see and this. also men and women on what they yeah. think and they, they could think beat in a fight. They're going to get killed by a goose. Yeah, exactly. That was one of them. That's what made me think of. Let me see if I can find this graphic you gotta, here. You just got to get a hold of it by the neck. I mean, how is a goose going to kill you? It's well, got it's no like, teeth. Yeah, you might be scared of fighting a goose, but there's literally no way that thing one on one is going to kill you. One one like stern soccer kick to that goose and that thing is done anyways i got the graph up right here so only 72 percent of americans think they could be a rat in a fight a fucking rat 28 percent of you you were weak as fuck stomp oh, a rat out it's no problem how could you this is for americans and britons well it says like Britain, you're just gonna lay there and British, let it but... nibble you to death exactly one rat House cat, 69% of Americans. Geese, 61% of Americans. Medium-sized dog, 49% of Americans. Then you got eagle, 30%. Large dog, 23%. A chimpanzee, If you 17% of people think they could beat a chimpanzee. Okay, that Bull, one definitely, shit. no way. No, face everyone's gone. losing to a chimp. Oh, yeah. Those things are so crazy strong. There was like this one like man versus beast show that I used to watch on YouTube. And it was the sumo wrestler playing tug of war against a orangutan. And that orangutan pulled that sumo wrestler and no problem, dude. It's like a four or 500 pound man pulling with all of his might. And the orangutan's just sitting there messing with him. Then one little tug and he goes flying into this mud pit. Monkeys are crazy. People think they could beat a chimpanzee over a king cobra. Bullshit. Or a kangaroo or a wolf. Oh, yeah. crocodile. I mean, Whoa. what do you think about a crocodile belly? I mean, it, it, I saw an old man fight one off with a frying pan in a video. So I don't think I mean, a crocodile would be that tough. Like, I mean, I like, I don't know how you would take it on though. Like 
because you you got to get its mouth you got to hold its mouth shut because once you hold it shut they have terrible opening. Yeah, take your shirt off and on tie dry it up. land. Oh yeah, take your shirt off, chuck like it over myself. its eyes, and then just give it a bunch of stern kicks to the belly. Probably won't do much, but maybe it'll slow it down. And then I'll fly in, Macho Man and Randy Savage with an elbow drop. What if you just flipped it over on its back? Can they even roll back over? Yeah, I'm they got sure. the death they, roll. Literally, it's, like it's called the gator. No, roll. I know, but I'm just that's in water. But if they're on land and you were to flip a crocodile on its back, do you, do you think they can just roll back? I, I bet don't know. you they could. I, I think, think they, they have so much power in their tail. Yeah, but like their skin. Yeah, so I think thick, on land, I don't know, I don't know how down. you would actually kill it. Like, I mean, I think they're in the head over weak. and over again. I, yeah, I think Stomp I think you would have to, like you said, you'd have to disable the mouth, and then at, after that, you can just—it's going to be gruesome. But you're, you can <laughs> kill it. I'm going to be—you well, know what? I'm going to say no to the alligator. I'm going to be gassed by the time I throw three kicks <laughs> at it. Well, okay, but what if it's a gator on land? Because the only reason gators can really like kill you is if they get you in water, and they'll drown you and do like the gator roll. But if you're on land, yes, they'll bite you, and that'll fuck you up no doubt about it but i don't know man i think that crocodiles are a little overrated i don't know i don't think that i could beat one i guess but i don't really know like that's a maybe that is a maybe if i'm on land and there's no water in sight it might be pretty even hmm. let's get off right. this topic of animal cruelty yeah gonna... <laughs> all right fine. move on so this next question's a bit of a weird one but i thought it was kind of a interesting view into a person's psyche so uh, what article of clothing do you own the most of and why? So, for instance, you may be a guy who has 30 pairs of matching underwear and socks. Or you might be a I wear fun socks to work kind of guy. Or you might be a if I see a cool hat, I kind of buy it. I got to buy it kind of guy. You might have 20 pairs of jeans. I'd like to know. I'm not the most looking like I am not a fashionable man by any means. And I tend to no matter how many shirts I get or whatever, I end up just having like five favorite shirts and I just stick to those. But Mm -hmm. I mean, one article of clothing that you own the most, it's got to be socks, man. I got two feet. I got one going on each foot (laughs) and there's a bunch I don't even wear. I stick to my Pumas, my best Pumas in the fucking drawer. I mean, I don't know if I'm misunderstanding the question, but. I'm 50, 50, 50, 50, 50 across the board against. Well, every you're article. counting each pair of socks as two. Like I can't count each pair of pants as two. Like a pair of socks is one article. Okay. You don't just wear one sock. Sometimes. My, <laughs> what do you I, mean sometimes? No. Oh, when you're jerking off. Uh, uh, okay. Sure. <laughs> Where is it, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> It's one pair of socks I don't have. Did we ever, we belly. never told that story, did we? Nah, you'll have to save that one. That's a that one will be a bowels for, for later. <laughs> yeah, but I would say like so. My thing is I've tried to like change my style a little bit more like professionally because like when I was in college, I mean I was wearing like hoodies and jeans and whatever the hell I wanted, like just baggy shit. And then when I got a job in Chicago. I got a bunch of dress clothes because I was wearing suits to work every single day. In the maintenance so, closet. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But then now that I'm in a different career, I can wear a little bit more casual attire. And that is something that I don't really have, like, uh, you know, like the quarter zips or like the button ups and stuff like that. So, I mean, 
I'm in the process of still kind of like phasing out some of my old wardrobe, but, and I don't consider myself a pack rat, but there's still some like t-shirts and stuff from high school that I just can't get rid of, you know, like every year mm-hmm. I'll go through and like, yeah. like, you know, pick out some stuff for a goodwill run. But then there's just so many like sentimental t-shirts, like some of the ski club shirts that I have from like college and I don't know, like this high school basketball shirt that I have. And there's a bunch of fucking t-shirts that I have that I really never wear except for like pajamas, basically, or like duds doing stuff around the house. So I'm going to go with t-shirts, man. I probably have like a good 40 t-shirts just folded up in a drawer that I never really planned to ever wear again. That's why I like this question though, is because that tells, that can tell me so much about you randomly is that you're kind of a sentimental guy. You like to keep around the t-shirts for the memories. (laughs) Yeah. Ben, Ben's just like, I got socks. Yeah, just a utility guy. <laughs> well, the problem with the problem with me is is that I fluctuate weight so much that I got my large t-shirts that don't fit, and now I got close to the part where the XLs don't fit. But now I'm going back down, and the XLs are getting mm-hmm. a little baggy. So I got to re up the wardrobe every time I do a goddamn weight loss bet. The other two things that I have a lot of are I have a shit ton of hoodies, and I don't even wear like seventy five percent of them anymore but they take up like a good third of my closet space because they're so bulky. And yet at the Mm -hmm. same time, I only wear like three of them and I never really wear the hoodies out. And about three years ago, I probably had one like fall jacket and one like winter coat. And I would use that as like my snowboarding coat. But Emma has made it a point for like my birthday and Christmas and everything to just get me coats. So now I have like 10 different coats. And now I feel like, oh, I just got to I have like a different coat for whatever fashion I'm wearing. Like, oh, it's fall time to wear the corduroy or, oh, maybe it's a jean jacket kind of day or, oh, it's cold. I'm going to wear this down puffer, you know, so I have a shit ton of coats now. You got 10 coats and one tiny hat. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a I have a, a million like sweatshirts slash hats. And that's because I really, really like to match colors when I dress. So I like to, I have a philosophy when I dress, all right? Three colors, okay? I'm going to do a main, a base color. So like, let's say I put on some black pants, right? Yeah. Then I'm yeah. going to put on a sweatshirt. The sweatshirt might have three colors in it. Let's say the sweatshirt is, uh, it's a base teal and I've got some purple and pink coloring, right? Okay. okay, then I'm Flashing. layering with a purple hat. Match one of the colors with one of the other colors. Boom, hmm. three-color system. This nice. is John seducing you on pillow talk with his garments. <laughs> well, that was four colors. Black pants, and then you got teal and purple and pink sweatshirt. That's four colors. Well, the black is like a base. Oh, so that's still three colors. I mean, okay, like three, three like colors. unique colors, and then I match one of them in two of my articles of clothing. So All right, so show us your you... lime green pants then. Yeah, where's your hat that matches is, that highlighter wrong? sweatshirt? You want me to pull it out? I'll get. I will literally pull one out right now. Yeah, go oh, ahead, go do right. it. All right. Yeah, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna just bust out his highlighter constrictor. <laughs> I guess you don't believe me. Occasion. Look at this, boys. You don't believe me? I got a hat to match. <laughs> Johnny right. accessorizer. Yep. Maybe I'll go All into right. that. I think that's going to wrap up mail time for this week. Yeah. But I, w- I, w- I would like to see a little bit into your guys' minds. Helps me. You don't want to go in there. Or... Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't want to either. 
All right. That's going to do it, guys. Thanks for listening. I know that we don't have much Lions talk anymore, but thankfully we got to break that Ben Johnson news to you firsthand. You'll be hearing about it first thing in the morning. And yet, if you haven't seen so already, but if you're a new listener, please follow, like, subscribe, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you might listen to us on. Don't forget to leave us a review. Give us five stars. Follow me on Twitter. That's at like Corbyashi. We've also got the belly and the fish Instagram and Twitter accounts going. Give us a follow on there as well. DM or text me any ideas for segments or anything cool that you would like to hear us talk about being in the off season. Not a lot of football content to go on or going around pretty soon here. So please give us some ideas. We're brainstorming as well, but please continue to spread the good word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone you can think of. We really appreciate the love and support guys. Yeah, I definitely thought this episode was going to be shorter because we didn't have the big Lions recap, but I think we went just as long, just a couple of dudes chatting about nothing. I want to thank John for coming on the show and can't wait to see more of him over this offseason. And yeah, leave us a review, five stars, and hopefully you're back next week. Can't wait to have you listen to us again. John, any closing words? I think we've said enough. (laughs) Yes, that will do. And with that said... (laughs) 